Man, that little voice. God, so I've got like a, I've got a thousand voices in my head, but the most important one is the most quiet. I don't know why that is. Why has he got to be the most quiet? I don't know. That little dude needs to speak up more yeah. because I, it, when I listen to it, great things happen. Yeah. But the, the other ones are so much louder yeah. and so much more like um, seductive. They're easier to listen to, you know? <laughs> oh my God. That little so quiet that. one's tougher. Right. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I'm Matt. I'm Paige. You have to quit laughing when I'm doing that. No, hold on. Whenever you did that, something fuzzy came out of your mouth. Something came... Fuzzy? <laughs> it was like a piece of something. You want to take a small break and get this checked out by a doctor? That was wild. That's the only reason. Okay, anyway. <laughs> All right. Happy to be back. Feels good to be back in the chair here on a... Uh, what is it? A Monday night? I think so. God, I lost track. Recording. Feels good to be back. What's been new? What's new in the life? How are you feeling? You sound a little under the weather. Yeah, I feel like I've got a cold in the summertime. It's a little odd. You got some of that crud. I got some crud. That's the worst. It makes you feel spaced out. I feel and like icky. Tired. I'm really tired. The spaced I'm out tired. part's the What's worst. up with that? Every time we're recording, I'm saying I'm tired. Because the sun's not up? I'm going to stop bitching about that now. The sun's not up, man. You're like a... What do they call it? Uh, your circadian rhythm is very strong. Circadian rhythm. Yeah, it's like the the natural cycles of dark and light when we sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melatonin, melatonin kicks, kicks in. in whenever it gets dark. Your melatonin's super strong. You can <laughs> bottle that crap and sell it as a gummy. <laughs> it's my HSP. <laughs> it probably is, honestly. <laughs> anyway, we are just fresh off of a little weekend trip we took with some friends. It was awesome. Some people we've known for a very long time, and we've all got kids at an age now where they're not like completely uh i don't want to say useless isn't the right word because kids are dependent dependent wow damn boo <laughs> that's how a father refers to kids being dependent. it's just useless he can't do anything for himself he's always asking for stuff God. and crying they're at the age now where they can run around and play and interact with each other like it's, making it was, awesome badass memories yeah it was really really fun we got an awesome hike in um, got some time together. It actually ended up raining, which was kind of nice. We chilled out under the patio and mm-hmm. listened to the rain pitter patter on the metal roof. Pitter patter. Oh, it was greatness. It was greatness, man. Um, <laughs> so we were talking about this episode and I was trying to think of all these examples of how this stuff is applied to my life. And I just had this one that came to me right as I press record. So before I tell anyone what we're talking about, just see if you can relate to this story. So whenever we bought our house, we had very little plans on like where everything would go because we were moving from a really small home into a much bigger home. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we packed up a moving truck and we put all the boxes in the moving truck and then we unloaded them into the garage. And then we basically unpacked what we needed for like that first weekend. Like we got our dishes out and the kitchen stuff and they got organized fairly quickly. Why are you staring at me? <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. Okay, stick with me for a I moment. I am. I'm listening so, intently. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> then the mattresses came in. But what happened is in the garage, there were just so many boxes. And I thought to myself, ah, oh, we'll get this cleaned out. Like I knew that it, it, most people didn't have their garages just full of boxes. Ultimately, you get it cleaned out and somehow this stuff just kind of takes care of itself. So little by slow, we started to move boxes in, but then some boxes never made it in the freaking house. (laughs) There are probably still boxes out there to this day from whenever we moved in. Maybe. Which was a decade ago. Uh Uh-huh. 
And what happened over time was more junk started to pile up. It was at one point, I'm not even kidding you guys. We'd been in our house for about a year. You couldn't even walk to the garage door from our back door. It was so full of crap. There wasn't even a path. So the episode today is about living in toxic situations Mm. and how we find ourselves in these things to begin with. And I think that's usually how it works. It starts off really slow, sort of innocent, and it kind of piles up over time without us even realizing it. And each time a couple of more boxes get added or something else gets thrown out there, or a kid's toy or a box of blankets, you just kind of look at it like, eh, it's normal. Yeah, it's, eh, it's just a garage. Yeah, whatever. But before you know it, the whole thing is overflowing to the point where it is just like, it looks like hoarders live here. Yeah. And it's an absolute mess. And what does that do to your mental health? Oh, it just destroys it, right? Yeah. So that garage did get cleaned out, but not without some effort and recognizing that, holy crap, like this is sick. I remember... Actually, one of the guys that we went on the trip with, my good buddies, I remember opening the door <laughs> to show him that he was like, let me see your garage, you know, because it was like a new house. He's like, let me see how much garage space you have. Uh, and I opened the door and he just goes, oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> like shame and pity like a grandmother would show, you know, oh like just God. so disappointed it had gotten this way. Oh. So when I think about toxic situations and, and our topic today, that story just kind of came to my mind. Like. How you come up with so, good some, shit. Sometimes when we find ourselves in these situations, we can look at our lives like as they sit today and be like, how the F did we get here? Mm-hmm. But run the tape back and you'll see that it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. And probably won't get fixed overnight. I know that we didn't clean that garage out in one day. No. So toxic situations, staying in them. How did we end up there at all? Because we've talked about getting uncomfortable more times than I can count. Yeah. The benefits of doing that and how it how it incites growth. But let's spin it the other way. Why do we get stuck in toxic situations? Mm-hmm. And how do we change those situations? Why is this even a thing? We have to experience being in dysfunction. And we 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 do it and we live with it because it's just familiar. Yeah, it's the familiar for, for no familiarity. I, say it. Thank you. <laughs> gonna have trouble with that say word it, say it familiar <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucked up okay do I'm it done. again no <laughs> say that five times Hell no. keep going <laughs> and i think it's only natural to want to have things that are familiar and comfort right and comfort is relative mm-hmm. like you might sleep on someone's bed and be like this is the hardest piece of crap i've ever laid on yeah but to that person it's like dude that's my bed i love my bed yeah it's familiar it's comfortable mm-hmm. they like it yeah. It's relative to each and every person. It's a little bit different. So as we talk about this, have these examples in mind because you can look at your life in a relationship that you're in. And when I say relationship, it's a huge broad term. Doesn't necessarily just mean your marriage. It could be your job. It could be your family, extended family, the norms and and the rituals that you guys have. It could be a religious sect or denomination that you were raised in. It could be anything, relationships in general, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about these types of dysfunctional, I think toxic is kind of a harsh word, but let's just call it what it is, toxic situation. Yeah, how do, the same. How do we freaking end up here? Like, wh- why am I stuck here? How did this happen? And what are some examples of these? Because I just mentioned a few, but... Run, run me through some examples of these toxic relationship type situations. Well, you just hit like four of them that I was going to say. I just say. stole them from you? Sheesh, rude. No, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit because sometimes 
we don't really realize we're in a dysfunctional situation until we look at it from a different perspective. So let me just give you examples. First, toxic relationships. So they can involve emotional or physical abuse, manipulation, or constant criticism, lack of respect, and an imbalance of power. So one partner may exert control and undermine the other's self-esteem and well-being. This is often, this is number one, because this is often what we see Mm -hmm. when we started the podcast and we started our accounts. It was like, let's put this out there, see what comes back. And this is what came back more than anything where people who resonated with this message that you were giving, which is this is what my life looked like. And I never dreamed so many people would be going through the exact same thing and be willing to share it too. This is the number one is toxic relationship. Our relationship was toxic. Dang, really? For years. (laughs) I'm not saying it wasn't. Okay. I mean, what do you mean? You don't think we had a dysfunctional relationship? No, it was really Are we going to unpack this right now? No, I think it was really dysfunctional. Yeah. But what's crazy about it is that in the moment, it didn't necessarily feel that no, way. No, and that has been part of my story that I've shared multiple times is that I was comfortable in that discomfort because that's what I knew. That's yeah. all I knew. It was normal for me. I didn't know. And that's a theme that we'll that carry dysfunctional. throughout the episode yeah. as well is yeah. that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and you're, exactly. What's normal to you is just normal to you. Right. It's not until you get outside. So we're going to help you realize why or yeah. what, you know what I'm saying. Okay. What are some other just common um, things that people Unhealthy work with? environments. Yeah, man. So like workplaces with high levels of stress or you have um, lack of support from colleagues or supervisors, poor communication, favoritism, bullying, harassment, or just a toxic company culture that undermines employees you know, well-being. I think this one is more common than it's ever been. I think there was Uh a time in American culture where you just went to work, you did your job and it was understood that it was a transaction. And then I think that over time, employees started requiring more of their employers and they wanted more of a culture. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of culture, it wasn't discussed in business rooms 50 years ago, like in boardrooms, they weren't talking about the company's culture. Like this crap was just You'd put it on a wall, but no one really ever followed any of it. But I can relate to this one a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Like not necessarily all of the the bullet points no, no, no. that you just right. read. Those but, are just some. It's not all or nothing. A really rough relationship with my profession. Yeah. And you you look at it, you complain about it. And then at some point you're like, what am I doing? Oh mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. It's just crazy. I think that the great resignation back around COVID, a lot of people had this realization. Absolutely. So very relevant to the discussion. Yep. All right. Another one is addictive or codependent relationships. Yep. That's kind of our jam. Yeah. Um, so it's just relationships that revolve around the substance abuse or other addictive behaviors. Um, this is how codependency can be developed with one person enabling and supporting the destructive behavior of the other, which is results in a cycle of dysfunction, yeah. a cycle of dysfunction. Yeah. We talked about this on the phone when I was on yes, my way home did. from the treatment center. I, I went and spoke at a treatment center tonight, which is always a privilege. It, oh, he always comes home in a better mood. It's because amazing. it's service, man. You're just getting out of yourself and just like volunteering your time. I love it when you go. I feel great when I come back, but we talked about this, this very thing. Yes. Cause let's say that there was 50 people there. 50 of them are dealing with this right now. It's very, very common. For sure. What else? All right. We've got dysfunctional family dynamics. So um, these can manifest in various ways. So constant conflicts, emotional or physical abuse, neglect, enabling or 
of of harmful yeah, behaviors. Yeah, enabling of harmful not behavior. or harmful enabling of that's that happens a lot with parents. Um, or unhealthy patterns of communication and interaction. You know, I don't think there's ever been a time in our history that a generation has been questioned more about their parenting tactics Yeah, than is going on right now. And Agreed. I'm not sure if that's because there's a generation of people that are struggling with mental health and how, to what degree that generation's you know perspective of how to raise a kid plays into that or if it's a mixture of that along with social media and just the change of yeah. you know, natural change in, in generations. But this one comes up all the friggin' time, mm-hmm. all the time. When you look at your family dynamics and what exists within it. And some people have incredible families. Yeah. Like they have no problems whatsoever. This doesn't relate. But for, I think more now than ever, maybe it's just you hear about it more. Yeah. There are people out there who are struggling with, with this, right? with an in-law or, um, a mother, father, or extended family, or a grandparent, or something like that, that is just kind of stuck in their ways, and they want you to be okay with abuse. Exactly. They want you to be cool with it, man. It's just yep. the way it is. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you share. Uh, so we're trying to think of some others. So I guess in the extreme version of this, you have like cults, right? Yeah. I am fascinated with cult documentaries. Uh huh. We've been watching some. <laughs> I'm fascinated with them. Like there was one on Netflix recently about, uh, about Waco and and the branch Davidians now cult, whatever you want to call them, religious group, religious sect, whatever. Uh, it was, it was a cult. They had a leader, David Koresh, who had convinced all these people that he was the second coming and he had them captivated and they would do anything that he said. They were extremely loyal. And I'm always just fascinated with the psychology of that. Oh yeah. And on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, like what what it, what it takes for someone to get there, and then how do you deliver that message as yeah. like the leader with a straight face? Yeah, and how do people listen? And yeah, but in in those types of situations, individuals are often manipulated, yeah. and they're isolated yep. from their like original support networks. Right. So it's real easy to I guess quote unquote brainwash them. Yeah, and they're subjected to various types of psychological control and manipulation. Yeah, it's very interesting. It is. So I don't know if anyone's in a cult that's listening to this, but it's not too much different than your marriage, possibly. (laughs) Just saying. Uh, Disorganized or chaotic living environments. We covered this one (laughs) in the beginning. You watch the show Hoarders and you're like, how are they living there, man? Can you believe that? Can you believe that they're living in this? Yeah, that's their norm. These are all the different ways that we can convince ourselves that this is normal. Yeah. And it happens in so many different ways. We've got like nine or 10 listed here. We could probably easily come up with 50 of them. Yeah. But disorganized or chaotic chaotic living environment, like hoarding or extreme clutter, uh, unsanitary conditions, I guess you could say, is just cat mess everywhere. Uh, but it, it's disarray that negatively impacts your physical and your mental well-being. Right. Um, unhealthy coping mechanisms. So this is... A little deeper, I think. Hold on. Can I go back for a second? Yeah. I have a very dysfunctional room in our house. Well, you do. You have that bedroom above us right now. I do. That is just a catch-all. It's catch-all. And it's a guest room that's set up for a guest room, but there are boxes in there of stuff that needs to be either tossed or into storage or donated. If you needed to be a guest of ours, you would be in deep shit. True. You'd be in trouble because it would be nowhere for you to sleep. But I am acknowledging that I have a very dysfunctional situation. We are right not now. perfect, y'all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
Uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms. So engaging in self-destructive behavior like excessive alcohol or drug use, uh, compulsive gambling, eating disorders, uh, anything along these lines that creates uh, dysfunctional cycles that can lead to harm, harm to your well-being. I guess. Yep. yep. Uh, financial dysfunction. Like this one, I think a lot of people live in this too. I mean, I read economic reports as part of my job and I know that credit usage is up to historic highs. Saving levels are at historic lows and people are strained financially. Some people just live in this all the time. They don't know any different. Yeah. It is, you know, if they miss one paycheck misses and it all comes crumbling down. I mean, a lot of Americans live in that reality, but it is dysfunctional. Yeah. But we can make that okay somehow. Yeah. It's that's where they're taking acceptance as the answer a little too far. Like a little bit. Uh, staying anxious, depressed, overweight, even when you're miserable. All this stuff is familiar. Like when you're in that, you're you're familiar with the way that that feels. So you're scared to change it. Yeah. We can make lemonade out of lemons. Everyone has the ability to do this. Yeah. But a lot of times we choose to do it with the wrong things. We can take a really dysfunctional living situation, mindset, whatever it might be, and decide, yeah, this is fine. You right. Know, you I'm know, just going to look at the positives. You know that There's meme, nothing wrong. My favorite meme ever is that, that that dog sitting at the coffee table with a cup of coffee and the, the his kitchen's on fire. Mm-hmm. And it just says, this is fine. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. This is a summary of that. that all the time. This is fine. <laughs> This yeah. is fine. Everything's good. We're good. We can make everything. Well, if you haven't seen that meme, check it out. Yeah. It's like my favorite. I actually <laughs> ordered it to get framed uh, via Amazon. It's supposed to be here pretty soon. I'm framing that thing. Oh, my I'm God. I'm putting it in my oh, office. I love it. me. <laughs> your office at the office or your office in here? The office at the office. Okay, that's fine. This is fine. This is fine. I We're love that good. thing. We're all good. Okay, so we've covered some examples of what these might look like. I hope that one of these has resonated. You could at least relate to it. Right. Why do we do this to ourselves? Right. Why are we stuck in this? Why do we do this? All right. So I'm going to go with a few first. Fear of change. Okay. What does that even mean? Fear of change. Change can be intimidating because you're going to stay. You want to stay in a f- familiar but dysfunctional situation rather than venture into the unknown. It breaks my brain, but I totally understand it. Yeah, me too. Because you worry about the uncertainties and like the challenges that come with making a change. It's hard, y'all. Change is fucking hard. Yeah, right? it is. Pick your hard, though. Yeah, pick your hard. Because I know from both sides, it was harder to stay stuck in the dysfunction than it was to make an actual change. Well, not make the change, but like to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that before you start. No. I mean, it's... No. You can live in that filth forever. Yeah. Um... Can you think of anything that you've been scared to change and you stayed in a dysfunctional situation? God, yes. Oh. <laughs> All kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> Is this anything you don't like? I feel like I'm you asking me questions and you don't want to answer. Can you? No, think I'm just of, debating if I should answer. No, anything that's simple that anybody else can relate to. Simple stuff? Mm. I'm usually pretty good with the simple stuff. It's the bigger things that I really struggle with. Okay. So I'm going to also think about whenever I did want to change my lifestyle of being unhealthy to healthy, I was scared to lose weight. Like who, who says that? Who's scared to lose weight? I think a lot of people are at the, the root of it all. Right. I was like, I don't know how my body's going to change. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm scared of the challenges that go along with it, but you just do it and it 
you figure it out from there. But it, it sounds wild to say it out loud. Like I was scared to, ch- I was, I'm scared to lose weight. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. That's not going to like, I don't want to compromise anyone else's identity. That's been in this with me, but let's just say I have always been the person that ultimately stood up and held up my hand. And I said, the emperor wears no clothes. I have said that and I've done that my entire life. Like when I sensed that this stuff was going on, I've been able to say like, this is BS. Yeah. Like even when I was using, like I was ultimately the one that decided I had to do something about it. Absolutely. Like I didn't, and it's not a flex again. It's not a flex it's just kind of intuitively. I've always done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing that, like I would have said these things years prior, but there's a fear of upsetting the status quo. And there's a fear of like, I'm going to, people are going to be upset with me when I do this. Like yeah. people aren't going to like me. Yeah. Um, and that's always been a fear of mine. Like I like to be liked who doesn't like to be liked, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's always been a fear that if I were to stand up and say something, I was going to upset someone. And right. so it's easier to not say anything mm-hmm. and just go with the flow. Yeah. Cause once you do say something, now you got a freaking scarlet letter on your chest. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. But do but it, your future in, self, do it anyway though. Exactly. Cause your future self will thank you. Um, okay. Another reason why we get stuck in these situations is a low self-esteem. You raising your hand right now? Raising my hand right now. <laughs> I suffered from that for a long time. Um, because we believe that we don't deserve better or, you know, that we won't find anything better outside of the dysfunctional situation. God, man, that ha- we hear that a lot. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's a very common one. Yep. And it boils down to low self-esteem. Yeah, because we feel like we're unworthy of healthier relationships or environments. And this can go back to childhood or trauma or anything that you've been through. I can't really tell you why we're like that, but it's definitely part of it. Um, Okay, another one is dependency. So some people may rely on these situations for financial support or stability, or it's a sense of their identity. So like, oh, I can't leave him because he pays my bills. Yeah. So I'm just going to deal with all this. Yeah. What was that one movie where the lady took off? Uh, I think Richard Gere was in it. Maybe was he the crazy guy? No, she like faked her own death. Oh, that would be Julia Roberts. Yes, that was a great movie. Sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Did you just recently watch that for the first time? No. You watched that when you were younger. I watched that because you watched it oh. over and over and over yeah. and over. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> it is a good one. But I think of her. Very true. But she freaking did it. She done it. She did it. All right. Another one is emotional attachment. So you can um, develop an emotional attachments to these situations or the individuals that are within them. Um, because you hold on to hope that things are going to improve, especially if they've had invested like a long time and energy into the relationship. Oh goodness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've been together for, for five years, man. Like this has to work. Yeah. Like I've put a lot of energy. I see the potential. I can see that potential. Oh, potential. Mm -hmm. Oh, the potential. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I'm looking (laughs) at you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right. What else? Uh, Other reasons. Yeah. Lack of resources. We kind of covered it a moment ago. Like Mm -hmm. financially, I just, I, I, I don't know another way. I have to stay here. This is the only job that's going to pay me what I'm getting paid. If I leave, I'm screwed. So I'll just deal with the crap because it's worth the paycheck. Yeah. Or that person's worth the crap because they make a nice life for us. Yeah. That's really common too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cultural and societal norms. This one is actually more like. This one hits. Yeah. This one's like more subversive. Like it's kind of under the surface, but it's always there. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't get divorced because you just don't do that. Yeah. What do you mean you get divorced? No, no, it's not an option. You don't get divorced. 
man, I'm like, we're not advocates for divorce. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we stayed together through some really, really tough stuff. Promise not to give up on each other. But had things got to a certain point, I think that you would have no choice but to leave me. Yeah, same. So like You would have done the same thing. And you would not have let a societal or cultural norm stand in the way of no. that. Or how people will say like, you know, yeah, I understand that your father has, you know, never paid child support and he used to hit you when you were younger and he's been, you know, a womanizer, but he's still your father. Like, what? <laughs> Miss me with that, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like that's, that's society. That's a cultural thing. Right. That's not rooted in fact or the way that people treat you or evidence or anything else. That yeah. is just bull crap. You can mm -hmm. rid yourself of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then minimization or denial. So some people downplay the dysfunction, deny its severity. Yep. And rationalize it and they make excuses and they try to convince themselves that, oh, this ain't that bad. It's all good. We just, our, our brains will, are always rationalizing. That's kind of where the toxic positivity comes in. Big part of it. Kind of what we were talking about earlier where you're just looking at the, oh, everything's okay. We're good. And you're not really looking at the big picture of what needs to change that's yeah, dysfunctional positivity is important you have to yeah, be purposeful absolutely. with it but it's not it's too people look at it too black all or and nothing white. Yeah. yeah it's just all or nothing but yeah Dang, you can minimize and you can minimize some really tough situations and i'm, I'm actually really good at this myself <laughs> yes you i'm are. really good at this i yes. can look at things and be like you know i always look for the best in people and situations and a lot of ways i think it's a gift but it's also a curse of mine yes where i can let people mistreat me for a long periods of time because I will see the good in them and I will, I will know their intentions. I'll know where their heart's at. Mm -hmm. And I've also, I mean, I've, I've got it programmed in me that I treat everyone like a sick friend. Right. So when I see someone doing that, I think more like, Oh, what are they going through? That's causing that. But at some point you have to draw the line. Yeah. And it's and okay. Like, that's ah, de disengaging man, with compassion. Like, yeah. Like, I've done all the things here. I've, I've made them aware of it. I've put up the, the boundaries. I've done all that crap and they still don't come around. Like yeah. nothing I can do. Right. All right. So we've talked about the, examples we've talked about the why do we end up here now i think that what Solutions. anyone yeah what anyone would be wondering at this point is all right so what the hell do i do man yeah how do i fix this okay so I, i'm in a relationship this is the most common one i'm in a relationship with an addict um they don't want to get help what do i do like i've tried everything or maybe they are trying to get help what do i do i've tried everything yeah or my job has treated me like crap for so many years but they pay me really well like what do i do yeah. Obviously there's something that you need to listen to within your intuition. There's a little voice in you that's saying something is wrong, right? Man, that little voice. God. So I've got like a, I've got a thousand voices in my head, but the most important one is the most quiet. I don't know why that is. Why has he got to be the most quiet? I don't know. That little dude needs to speak up more Yeah. because I, it, when I listen to it, great things happen. Yeah. But the, the other ones are so much louder yeah. and so much more like, um, seductive they're easier to listen to you know <laughs> oh my god that little so quiet one's tougher right okay so i'm gonna say like the first step of how to do this and it's in so many processes and even our own personal process freaking step one in aa yeah like, and this, this is, is our process in tufo is recognizing and acknowledging the dysfunction first step in recovery is admitting literally look at your situation from afar and acknowledge and say that something is not right. Pretend you were watching your life as a movie. Yeah. What oh would God, you I tell think? people that all the time? What would you think about this character? Yes. Yes. Th this is the essential first step towards making any kind of change. 
Um, the next one will be seek support because a lot of us, we don't have the support. We need to reach out to, you know, our friends or family or groups that can provide some emotional support or even guidance and objective perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's huge to get object- objective perspectives from others that are seeing your situation from far away. Yeah. And you know what's, what, what wasn't number two hmm. was just think yourself out of it and fix it yourself. Yep. <laughs> Seek support, man. Two foe community, y'all. Yes, I'm going to plug that in there because we have a great support system there. That's what it's for. It is. It is. I mean, you have to be open and willing, though, to listen. And if somebody does point out that maybe you have a um, personal challenge that you need to work on, listen, you know, be open. And honest with yourself, it's not being bullying or harassing or harsh. It's somebody literally trying to help you get through a situation that is making you unhappy. I encourage everyone in there to gracefully give and receive feedback. Gracefully. 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 So hearing things from an outsider's perspective and just be like, that's interesting. Let me think about that. Yep. Rather than just being like, oh, you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm different. I've heard it all. No. Yeah. Just listen for a moment. Yes. Um, and another one's going to be develop a safety plan. So this is going to be for people who are basically in abusive or, you know, violent situations. Um, it's very important for you to prioritize your safety. This includes, you know, steps to protect yourself. So you have to look at places, um, that are safe, you know, maybe a family member. Yeah. Put your mom on notice. Hey, I might call you on a whim and I'm going to need to be there. Get, get a go bag together. Yes. Um, have emergency contacts in place. You know, that's some friends that you might trust. Um, and then involve local authorities if you absolutely have to. There's no shame in that. No. Like, we're not advocating that you end up on Cops, which is a show that I love. It's a great show. I don't think everybody loves it. But it is important that you have that safety net there if you need it. Yeah. So if, if your situation is is tough and you've got abuse in it, that's no joke at all. Develop a safety plan. Prepare yourself. If it's a pattern, it's going to happen again. Yep. Um, and this one's going to be kind of similar to seek support. This is actually just building a support network. Yeah, which is like more about, it's not so much like just seeking a friend. It's like a friend is someone who you can trust because you trust their opinion because you've known each other for a long time and you value their perspective. A support network is other people going through the exact same thing. Yes. So it's other people who have done this before, who are walking through it right now, currently who are interested, interested in it. And there's a million different, you, you name it. There's a support group for it. Yeah. And they can encourage you to make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah. You ever see that movie fight club? That was my first experience with the 12 steps actually it was fight club. <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen fight club, it's about this guy who, well, I don't want to get too far into it, but there's a part in the movie where he cannot sleep. He has insomnia and what he finds is that if, if he goes to 12-step meetings, doesn't matter what they're for, he will cry and h- embrace somebody else, and then he sleeps like a baby. So he ends up getting addicted to different 12-step groups, and he goes to one for like like carcinoma survivors. He goes to one for like broken leg survivors. He goes to one for like men with hair loss, he, like men's breast cancer. Like you name it, there's a support group for it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was my first experience with 12-step, so I was like... I'm never doing that. No way, man. What is that crap? <laughs> but there are groups for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to demean it by any means, but there are support groups out there no matter what it is. Yeah. Like we've, we've got one for people who are trying to better their relationships, better their life. 
Uh, a lot of people who happen to be in codependent relationships with addicts, but it's not just for that. It's sort of all encompassing. I think it's a good place to start, but there mm-hmm. are plenty out there that get even more specific than that. Yeah. It can get like super niche. It can get like, you know, people living on Cape Cod with kids under four with autism. Like there are probably groups like that. Like they're probably out there. Yeah. Find them and network with those people. You'll find a lot of Be careful with the mom groups in your cities though. Just saying. Oh, they get wild? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not in them. So why would I know? Okay. Tell me stories. No, I'm not. I have to block and unfollow those groups a lot. Oh man. I want to hear about the stories. All right. We're getting off track. Um, Another one is going to be set clear boundaries. Of course, we're always talking about that B word. Um, When you establish and communicate your personal boundaries to those that are like involved in these situations, you got to be firm, like assert it, assert what's acceptable and what's not. Mm -hmm. And be prepared to enforce those boundaries and not make it a threat. Yeah. Make sure your boundaries are enforceable, everybody, because you can come up with all these great ideas for boundaries, but if you're not willing to enforce them, they're basically meaningless. Yep. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but developing an exit strategy, it's sort this of is like, it's going to be different for like just the, uh, yeah, I, I think developing an exit strategy is sort of like the logical way you look at like, okay, what would my life look like if I didn't, if I had to go today and you have to kind of get, uh, I mean, you have to look at the logistics of it, right? Like, where am I going to live? Where would I, how would I get a job there? Um, am I going to end this relationship? What would that be like? What kind of people in my life will I lose because of that? Maybe like mutual friends you have, Mm -hmm. like there's practical aspects of this, like finances, logistics, legal considerations, but start to develop an exit strategy start to think about what your life would look like. Because those are some of the questions that we can't necessarily answer for you. Yeah. They're very individual. People will come to us like, Hey, I want to leave him, but like, I haven't worked in 12 years. Like, well, we've got to give that some thought. Yeah. Like really give it like some what thought. what are your options? Yeah. Let's look at your options. Like that's not something that just gets taken care of. This like, is an like important that. place to like write out pros and cons, right? Yeah, Pros for sure. and cons of staying where you are unhappy and leaving. Yeah. What is that? Uh, I always screw this quote up. When the, the pain of change is less, less than, than the pain, the pain of staying the, the same, same, you will change. Right. Something is that like right? that. Yeah. Or is it the other way around? Gosh, I was well, it makes sense because I understood what you were saying. We could just be tired. And usually I'm not good at that. Okay. <laughs> so I think you've got this, but we'll re-listen to this and see. And yeah. <laughs> seek, seek help from someone that's done this before or from a mental health professional. So whether it's a therapist, counselor, a coach, some sort of professional that specializes in dealing with these dysfunctional situations, whichever one you are in, and they'll provide guidance, support, and maybe even therapeutic intervention. Uh, to help you navigate those challenges that you're going to face. Like our good friend, um, Nassim has become like, you know, her podcast started out with like her realizations about life after her great resignation. And she's actually gotten to the point where people are reaching out to her. And this is a super niche topic about like, what, what do I do? How did you go through this? And she's a professional at yeah. this point. She's a professional for yeah. this. Like, yeah. So that it's out there no matter what it is, whether it's career, family, relationships, addiction, you name it. Yep. Um, something we've talked about and cannot be stated enough is you got to take care of yourself, man. Yep, yep. Self-care. self-care is so freaking important. Prioritize it. And not just self-care, self-compassion. Oh my God, it's huge. Like, when you look at your situation, you're watching that movie of that person going through all this stuff. Have a little compassion for that person. That's you. 
Mm-hmm. It's you. Have some compassion with yourself through the process. Eliminate the word should from your vocabulary. Absolutely. Start to engage in activities that promote your physical and emotional well-being. So whether that's exercise, hiking, walking your dog, gardening, you name it, whatever it is, it's therapeutic for you. Um, healthy eating, mindfulness, practicing that in some way, whether that's meditation, uh, spiritual practices, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Dancing for you is like always been your thing. Uh, Another one's stay committed and persistent. So leaving one of these situations, these dysfunctional situations, it's in my experience, a very gradual process. Absolutely. It was not something that just happened overnight. Nope. So I had, um, I had some like career type epiphanies in the last three or four years. Like I had this plan in place and it was like, man, this is not going to happen overnight. Like there's just no way like this could take, uh, I don't know how many years this is going to take some time though. You don't just like cut those roots overnight. No, you don't just start to tear anything down. So it's like, okay, maybe that's a goal eventually, but it could take time to get there. Yeah. You know, um, what I ultimately found was that working with Tufo has really filled the hole that I, you know, it's always there, but it's not as big anymore. Yeah. So it's helped. So this is part of that process. It did not happen overnight and it wasn't a switch for some situations. You will have a switch. You're like, flip it. Right. Gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think for others, it's more of like an educational experience that takes place over a period of time. And so you're going to have to stay committed, persistent, and give yourself plenty of grace as you go through it. Mm-hmm. Be mindful of the goal that you want ultimately, but understand it's going to take a lot to get there and it'll take a bunch of little bitty steps to get there. Yep. Not happening overnight. Most of the time, I think ultimately you have to be willing to do something different. Like, it's okay to be scared of the unknown. It's okay to not know what's going to happen. It's okay to be scared about what your life's going to look like without this super comfortable thing, even though it's not healthy. Yep. But how are you ever going to know if you don't try it? Mm-hmm. You know, you've talked about making a pros and cons list. Yeah. You talked about picking your heart. Like it's going to be hard to change. In most cases, it's harder to stay where you're at. Yeah. So choose your heart. Yep. What do you want to do? You get one life to live. What are you going to do? You know, I, I think that ultimately, like when we talk about change, what gets us to change is pain. I had this good friend who passed away. And he used to always say time plus pain equals change. If you get in a long, if you get in enough pain for a long enough period of time, you will change. And those two time and pain are variable too. You can, you can get in a lot of pain for a really short period of time and change, or you can get in a little bit of pain for a really long time to get to change. But I think that the pain piece of it, if you can sort of stir up more pain, you'll change much quicker. Yeah. So if you're in a tough relationship, I'm not saying necessarily poke the bear, but start asking questions. Yeah. And you will get to a place where you're like, man, this really doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Like that fight that we just had, I'm not, I, I will never let someone talk to me that way. Right. So increasing the level of pain decreases the amount of time, which gets you to change quicker. Or you can just deal with a little bit of dysfunction for a really long time. It's your call. Yeah. Which I've done both. I know yeah. how this works, but... I tend to side with the pain piece of it. Mm-hmm. When I look at my life and I'm like, I've got to make a change. A lot of times I want to make the change, but I know deep down, I'm just not in enough pain yet, man. Yeah. What's it going to take to get me there? You know, if you want to lose weight, go get some blood work done and see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. See if that, see if that gets you in some pain. Yep. You know, if you want to, if 
do you have these huge aspirational career goals? Go talk to your boss and see what they say about your future with the company. That might increase some pain. You might hear, we don't think that you are anything that you that you say you are, and I'm not interested in promoting you. You can stay right here. That might lead to a decision where you go, that hurt. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, like you can drum up pain in all sorts of ways. Yeah. You can, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. I can't think of it right now. What's it called when the washing machine like starts moving stuff around? What do they call that? Unbalanced? What do you mean? No, the washing machine where it's like it's stirring up things. It's it's like <laughs> I wish I could see my face right now. Yeah, you're looking like because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Somebody, I, somebody might know. And I'll be think like, about it later. Page, you're an idiot. You I'll, don't know what he's saying. I'll think about it later. But either way, this process will take time. So be patient. Give yourself some compassion. And remember that nothing changes if nothing changes. You will remain in this muck. Your garage will remain an absolute mess if you do nothing. That's a fact. Ooh. That's a fact. So the willingness to change your behavior is so important. Just to be willing and open to what that would look like. And we just walked you through a process to get you there. Mm-hmm. We just had 30 different examples of the examples of them, the how and the why. Or the why and the how. Right, the other why, the how. Yeah, so we've just walked you through it. We've given you a blueprint for it, and I think it's pretty helpful. Yeah, and I know it's easier said than done, but damn, we've done a lot of this. Yeah, so listen to that quiet little voice, the one you don't want to listen to, the one that's so much quieter than all the others, and what is it telling you? Mm -hmm. What is your gut saying? What is your intuition saying? Yeah. And listen, and then act. And if you don't know where to start, pop in the community, start asking some questions. We can probably point you in the right direction at the very least. For sure. Okay, is that uh, is that it? Does that cover it? Yeah. Guys, still thinking of that word, and I can't remember it, man. I'm I'm so past that. You're past it. Yeah, I was on it for a moment, and then I changed my brain. It's not aggravate, but it's similar to aggravate. To aggravate the pain, like poke it. What's it called when you uh, stoke, stoke a fire? It's not. That's stoke. a thing. What the hell, man? You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? Them little bags that you like the cartoons, like you pump in the fire. It stokes the fire. That's what that means. Oh my gosh, y'all. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, still not the word, but I'll think of it at some other point. Anyway. We're gonna have a conversation after this. Yeah, I'm gonna go straight to Wikipedia and look it up. But either way, uh <laughs> if you haven't already followed the show, left a review, we would very much appreciate you doing that. Helps us move up the rankings. Oh, which by the case, the rankings. Uh I was looking at the rankings today. You know, we, depending on which category you're looking at, we score in the top, anywhere between the top 20 and 30% of all podcasts, period. Sweet. It's kind of cool. Yeah. That also tells me that like, there's a lot of really bad podcasts out there because <laughs> our numbers aren't huge by any means, oh, but we haven't even been I'm doing this freaking proud of it. I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm, I just enjoy it. I hope that the listener enjoys it. Oh yeah. I hope that you I guys hope y'all like it back. too. <laughs> I'm glad you're having fun, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway if you haven't already followed the show left a review we'd very much appreciate it if you get something from this let a friend know share it out on your social media tag us in your stories and let us know that you are listening let us know that you're out there and that you exist we would love to know we'd love to send you some stickers too we've got some uh if you haven't already checked out our new website we've got that up and running www.tufo.com twfo twfo.com where you can find out more about us check out some of our free guides that we've got available 100% free, not asking for anything at all. You don't even have to give us your email address. Just go on there and check it out, and we'd love for them to be helpful to you. We've got our Facebook community. 
two couple. Uh, we've also talked about this in the last few episodes about a foundation that we very much believe in the counseling for the future foundation. We are raising money to put therapists through their graduate level programs debt free. So if you know a therapist, if you are a therapist, if you believe in the power of therapy, check us out counselingfutures.org. You can give a donation there. Doesn't matter how small it is or big it is, whatever you want to give goes to a great cause. Imagine a world where when you needed somebody, when you needed a mental health professional, a therapist, they would be there. There's not enough of them in the field to meet the growing demand for mental health problems that we have in this country. And in the next 10 years, it's going to get even worse. We have more therapists in school right now to become therapists, and it's still not enough. Do you have to pee or something? Yep. You are bouncing all over the place. (laughs) So let me just go ahead and get through this. Uh, I've been giving you a look. (laughs) All right. uh, Counseling for the futures. Oh. You hate it when I have to pee. Oh, she just bounces all over the place, y'all. It's like nerve-wracking. The corner of my eyes, up and down. Uh, If you go to our website at the very bottom, you can find links to all of our social media accounts. We are on everything. I think on just about everything, it's at Tufo underscore couple. Uh, That's at TWFO underscore couple. We keep them all pretty well fed. Okay, now you're doing this on purpose. Yeah. What else can we talk about? Thanks. (laughs) All right. Until next time, I am Matt. I'm Paige. And we'll see you. Bye.